0: People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. The Premier League fixtures keep on coming, so we're here with another dose of Premier League Insights, the podcast that helps those looking to bet on their Premier League predictions. The man with the numbers that matter the most is Jake Thorpe from InfoGoal. Hello, Jake. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well. Got a uh, bit of a weird one with a winter break. I think our yeah, yeah. normal game week 26, we're, we're split over two weeks. So rather than covering all 10 and, and looking too far ahead, we're going to run through four today and then be back with another six fixtures next week, if, if that format sounds good to you.
1: Yeah, that's the best way to do it. Obviously, the, at this stage, the markets for next week games are, are very, still very fresh. So in terms of value hunting, it's not the best time to do it a week and a half in advance. But this week, yeah, four good games. Um, we think we've found plenty of value, actually, in every game. So, um, yeah, looking forward to telling the listeners what we've got.
0: That's exactly what we want to hear. Let's, let's get straight into it. Our first game is Everton versus Crystal Palace. And... Two teams that are probably at the the opposite end of the entertainment spectrum at the moment. Everton obviously coming off the back of a well a dramatic 2-2 draw against Newcastle last week. Then it was a 3-2 win against Watford. And they're playing a team in Crystal Palace who have failed to score in their last two games and, and barely posed any threat at all to their opponents. And I, did, I asked you last week about Everton, whether they'd try and focus on the defensive side of the game as a means to try and win more games and while well, it obviously doesn't look like that based on the result, it was a much better performance defensively than what we've seen from them in recent weeks. And especially when you consider how what, how dangerous Watford have looked, I think that, that maybe shows some signs of improvement. And the, the attacking process, impressive once again. It was another 2.82 xG to to maintain what is a decent start under Ancelotti. Um, as for Palace, probably just more of the same from what we've seen for the, the bulk of the season from them. Don't seem to give up a, a bucket load of chances to their opponents, but they create even less themselves. Really wasn't a very good game against Sheffield United, but they managed to do what they keep on doing and, and got the win. This game is, it's Everton that seem to be scoring at will. Palace that don't offer a lot going forward. The market doesn't seem too short on Everton at 1.65 or 1.675, sorry, 58% chance. Is there any value in that for goal?
1: Yeah, we think there is big time. Yeah, we, we really like Everton in this game. Um, like you said, they've been really impressive under Ancelotti, and, and that's not just with the the results. Obviously, they're coming in, into this game on the back of you know one defeat in the last nine, ten matches in, in the Premier League, and was it, two, three, four wins under Carlo Ancelotti in, in his uh, seven games in charge. And the, the performance against Watford was really impressive. Uh, obviously, the comeback two nil down, uh, unfortunately, to two nil down conceding from two low probability chances, and then. Um, you know, scoring two just before the break, and then obviously they had the, the, the another knockback with the sending off, but they still went on to win the game three two and that was uh, nothing less than they, they deserved according to the uh, expected goals in the game. Like I said, two point eight two um, to Watford's zero point eight eight, so it was a fully deserved victory, and, and that's the fourth game in a row now that Everton have, have created more than two expected goals um, in a match, and. and more often than not when you create more than two expected goals you will win the game or at the very least draw the game so if they keep doing what they're doing they're going to be really tough to beat for the rest of the season moving forward um yeah the process under Ancelotti actually has been has been really good 2.18 expected goals for 1.31 against and that's the sort of level that that would put them around fourth fifth sixth in the premier league in, in terms of process so what they're doing is is working. Um, And, you know, they're they're upwardly mobile now. They're ninth in the table. They're only four points behind Tottenham in fifth. And there's a very realistic chance that they can actually um, gate crash the the top six and and finish in the Europa League spot. And all of that looked very unlikely at the start of the season. But we kept banging the drum at Infragol that that their underlying numbers weren't bad under Marco Silva. They continue to be the same way. Um, And if they continue performing the same way from now to the end of the season, it would be a huge surprise to see them finish above the likes of of Spurs or, or Arsenal or Wolves or Manchester United. Um, as for Palace, they are probably going to start looking over their shoulder very nervously. Um, and they've got a six-point cushion at the moment, but they've dropped like a stone. At one point, I think it was around Christmas time, they were seventh or eighth in the table and um, and on a, on a decent unbeaten run. Since then, though, one, one win in the last uh, in the last ten matches is. is that is relegation form. I know they've drawn a lot of those matches and they've only lost three of those. But you know, sooner or later, you're going to have to start winning some of those matches. And you know, all of the games that they've they've lost or or, or sorry, they've drawn, they've actually been fortunate to get points in um, massively overperforming their expected goals this season. Um, you know, based on our model, they, they they sit right deserve where they deserve to be. Um, defensively, they are massively overperforming, like we touched on last week. Uh, 43 expected goals, 29 conceded. So they've been very, very fortunate in, in in that sense and they've got a lot to thank for their goalkeeper, Geiter, although he did make a right mess of the uh, of the corner for Sheffield United's goal. But you know, on the whole, they are performing like a bottom half team and a team that could easily be dragged into the relegation battle. Um, away from home, the process is atrocious. It really is bad. Uh, 0.98 expected goals, four, so they barely create a chance when, the, when they're travelling uh, and they're allowing a at two expected goals um, when they're playing away from home. So, this is a really not a very good matchup for Crystal Palace as they concede a load of chances on the road and they're coming up against an Everton team that are racking them up at will at the moment, playing such an attacking brand of football with so many attacking players on the pitch at the same time. So, yeah, we, we really like Everton in this game. We're giving them a 65% chance of getting the win and like you said, the market's around 58%. So, there's a great deal of value there in, in, in backing Everton, even at a short price, um, to get through this game. We also think there's value in, in looking at over two and a half. I know Crystal Palace aren't the most free-scoring of teams um, or they don't concede too many goals on paper, but as I've said, defensively, they concede plenty of chances and, and this Everton team more than capable of uh, of putting them to the sword and, and making those chances count when they come around. So it's around 50% chance of over two and a half goals. Uh, we're giving that a 57% chance of that happening. So... Um, a big Everton win is, is where we're looking in this one. Like I said, the main bet really is Everton just to get the three points.
0: Yeah, so we've got 13 games to go. Everton are, are seven points off top four. Palace are six points off the relegation zone. There's a, a massive split in terms of consensus, in terms of odds. Palace are around 10, 10 to one to go down. Everton are as high as kind of 66 to one to get into the top four. Is there is Is there that much disparity between the two? The, the probability of either of those happening do you think
1: um not really no um like i said i think i think the main thing that we we're still looking at this is like i said one team's looking up one team's looking down but there's only three points between the two of them so um it is so congested in the middle of that uh, premier league table right now that anything is still capable is still capable of happening um like was it 66 to one everton top top four you know the way that everyone else is the way everyone else has been inconsistent, if they can put a run together, then there's no there's no reason why not. Um, I do think that Chelsea Chelsea are one of the better teams in the league, and it's it's in their hands really as to whether they get top four because the process is so good. All they need to do is just is just find a way to put the chances away, and and they will finish in the top four. Um, but yeah, any any one any team below Chelsea could easily finish in that top four. Um, it's just, it's just about consistency and no one, it's been so open the Premier League this season, especially in the middle, in, in the mid-table, that no one's been able to put a run together. Everyone's been beating everyone. Um, it's only really Liverpool that have shown any sort of consistency, um, obviously with their ridiculous run. So, yeah, I wouldn't put anything past Everton. I wouldn't put anything past Wolves, Sheffield United, Manchester United, anyone. Everyone's been so inconsistent that um, they're going to take points off each other when, when those games come. And it is just a matter of who can who can put a run together, who can put two, three, four wins back to back to back uh, from now between between now and the end of the season, and that will be the team that will um, sneak into fourth, fifth, sixth, um, or even seventh, depending on, on um, you know whether that place is, is open for Europa League. And as for Palace, um, the good thing that they've got in their favour is that the teams below them they've got a six point cushion, and, and there's there's three teams below them um, um, that, are, that are also above the relegation zone and the teams below them i think are worse than them really um i think watford are probably one of the better teams that are down there at the moment i think brighton are as well Um, but west ham aston villa bournemouth i think it's going to between be between those three i think for the relegation um and it's just a matter of are they going to collect enough points to catch crystal palace crystal palace probably need another six points and they're probably safe so um yeah, I think I'd have a little look at the fixture list before we make a bet on Crystal Palace to go down. But from what we've seen, they're not going to win too many games from now to the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I'm not in the not in the business of promoting other bookmakers, but you can get 100 to one on Everton to finish in the top four. So make of that what you will. Right now, we've got Brighton versus Watford, and we said at the top of the show we haven't got many games this weekend, but it could be a case of quality over quantity because these are another two entertaining sides based on their their recent performances. It might not be best to to take that approach when you're in and around the bottom, but they do continue to play with an attacking style and can quite often leave them open at the back as well. Quite the contrast in, in terms of results at the weekend for these two. Brighton got that 3-3 draw after being two goals behind. Watford, as we just said, 2-0 up against Everton and then lost 3-2. Despite those scorelines and how the games played out, it was actually Brighton who were the unlucky ones based on expected goals from those two matches. It's going to be a really important game for these two. Brighton certainly benefit from home field advantage. The the market does have them favourites at 45% chance of winning. It's a 27% chance of a Watford win and 28% chance of the draw. Do you think the odds are fair for this one?
1: Yes, we we think they're pretty much about right, especially for the Watford price. We, We think we've got Watford priced up exactly the same, but... Um, we we like Brighton this game. We do. Um, we think there's going to be a lot of goals, which is why the, we, we've got the draw pretty short. Um, so sorry, uh, there's not as much a bigger percentage chance of a draw. So we're 27% Watford and only 23% of a draw, uh, leaving 50% for Brighton. And 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 that is purely because we think they're the better team, with even with uh, without home advantage. We think Brighton have shown plenty this season to suggest that they're going to um, keep themselves up. At one point in the season, they were looking up rather than down they've had a bad run of results recently um obviously they had a fairly kind fixture schedule in the last three matches and they've only picked up two points so um this is a big game for them really if if they fail to win this one or if watford do get the win then then we start have to we start looking at brighton as a team that are under serious pressure um, in the relegation zone because they've got some tough fixtures coming up themselves but um what we've seen from brighton in recent weeks as i've said they've not not won in the last five premier league games they've picked up only three points but um, they've won the expected goals battle in four of those matches, so they've been really unfortunate to not have at least picked up one win um, or at the very at the very least four draws. Um, it was only Everton, actually, that they got the better of them in terms of creating better chances in the match. Um, they did very, very well against Chelsea and, and arguably should have nicked a 2-1 draw of that one. Um, against Aston Villa was the same in the last home game. They were much the better team um, and they created good chances and it was just one sucker punch that, that got Aston Villa a draw very impressive at bournemouth you know, they, they were 2-0 down but they sh- it should have been 1-1 really at, at half time right? uh, Missed missed couple of good chances and and you know the west ham game was a really interesting one it was um you know before west ham scored brighton had three big chances all basically if you if you go onto infogol um infogol app and, or website and click on the shot map for that you'll see three brighton dots within uh, pretty pretty much in a straight line um around the penalty spot Three big chances that were all missed before West Ham then went and scored. So Brighton could have been two, one, two, three nil up before West Ham even got on the score sheet there. Um, so in the end, a draw was the very least they deserved. Um, and it's been a similar story all season, really, for Graham Potter's side. They've been really easy on the eye. There's been a huge, um, huge issue in terms of uh, taking the chances. And I think that's why he's thrown Glenn Murray back into the mix. I think he's a. It provides them with a bit more of a focal point than Neil Morpai does, um, and I think they'll create good chances in this game against a Watford team that have looked vulnerable of late. Uh, the Seagulls actually sit ninth in our expected goals table, so they are much higher than the fifteenth place that they are in the table. As I mentioned, that they've been unfortunate in front of goal, not taking the chances. Thirty goals from forty expected goals, um, and the process at home hasn't been bad. You know, the one point six four expected goals for, one point six six against. So. Slightly negative in terms of the expected goal numbers, but they've put on some great performances against uh, good teams when they needed to. Think back to the Tottenham win, um, obviously the Chelsea draw. And, you know, they're more than capable of creating loads of chances. As I said, 1.64, 1.66, what does that tell you about Brighton? They're very good going forward, but they're also very leaky at the back. And that tends to lead to high scoring games like we saw last week. And Watford are no similar, uh, sorry, no different. They're very similar, actually. Very similar when it comes to process as well. Um, they've the rails have come off slightly two defeats in a row after that really good run of form but they were unfortunate to lose to Aston Villa before being rightly beaten by Everton and what we're seeing as a trend from Nigel Pearson's team is that they they do create chances at a, a very high high rate but defensively they are also very vulnerable um, now under Nigel Pearson the process is 1.71-1.61 expected goals for, expected goals against. So, again, it just shows you how many chances that we see at both ends when when Watford play. And away from home, 1.46, 1.52. So, it's exactly the same. Um, and that's where we're looking in this one. Obviously, I've said there's value back in backing Brighton to get the win. Um, but we also think there's a huge amount of value in backing over two and a half goals here and both teams to score, in fact. So, we've got a 55% chance of both teams to score on the market. We're 63%, 51% chance of over two and a half goals. We're 64%, so there's a great deal of value. I think the market's seeing this as a relegation six-pointer. They think it's going to be a tight, cagey game. We think the exact opposite. We think there's going to be so many chances at either end and, and plenty of goals, just given what we've seen from both teams in terms of um, of underlying process. So, yeah, backing goals is the way to go in this one, or if you want a, a bet in the 1x2, we, we think Brighton are a good bet at, at
0: 45%. Yeah, and you mentioned there about Brighton. Are we now seeing... So I remember earlier on in the season, I think me and you both agreed that the what we saw from Brighton looked a lot better, but for some reason what the the goal model was putting out maybe didn't align with, with that perception because it, it bled into Chris Houghton's previous tenure and that that different style. So are we with the model are we now seeing this this new Brighton, this attacking Brighton in terms of the the percentages that you're putting out?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well we're twenty five games in now, so we've got a pretty decent sample size of, of Graham Potter's reign. Um I think we have to ask Mark Taylor about this, uh, but I think the the model takes into account about thirty eight games, so a full season, but weighted to the most recent ten or fifteen games. So um, obviously the thirty eight would still encompass some of Chris Hutton's matches, but more, more recently it, the model is is it's basically caught up and it's now understanding the new Brighton, if you like, and um, and it's putting out numbers like you said with higher goals, more chance of, of over two and a half both teams to score, etc. And obviously the, the actual process is much, much better this season than it was under Chris Hughton last season. So, um, you know, when it comes to the 1x2 percentages, we're, we're much stronger on Brighton, yeah.
0: Right, so Sheffield United versus Bournemouth. Another week, another win for Sheffield United. They're now sixth in the Premier League table. That is a little bit higher than their expected position of 10th, but very impressive nonetheless. It, it perhaps wasn't a performance to break down that stereotype of a, a defensive team who scraped their wins You've spoken before about it, and used data to show that 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 stereotype isn't exactly true. But I don't think their their fans or players will be too concerned about how they're they're winning games at the moment. Um, Brighton they they got another important win themselves, one that was fully deserved. They were dropping like a rock a few weeks back. Eddie Howney now seems to have switched on his attacking players, and they look much much better in recent weeks. Going forward, they are still giving away chances though, and. That's never really a good sign when you might have to scrap your way to a few results to secure safety. The market's fairly big on Sheffield United here at one point seven three five or or fifty six percent chance with Bournemouth at five point seven, which is a a pretty low seventeen percent chance of victory. What do you rate both sides' chances in this one?
1: Yeah, we, we think the, we think the Blades are a little bit too short um, at Bramall Lane here. We're we're around forty five percent chance of, of a Sheffield United win, so we're we think the market is way too strong on them, and I think. Part of that is down to, like you said, the um, the low-scoring nature of, of Sheffield United's matches, the fact that when it comes to the expected goals, they're just edging teams rather than, than dominating them, um, and the fact that we think Bournemouth are, are, are slightly underrated by the market, um, that their process isn't as bad as, as what their actual results have shown, um, especially uh, over the course of the season. At the start of the season, they were absolutely fantastic, Bournemouth, if you remember, and um, uh, it was only that real bad run in the mid mid part that that really sort of like you said dropped, saw them drop like a stone. Um, yeah, Sheffield United they, they had a nice slice of luck really with the the um, own goal from Crystal Palace's goalkeeper last week, and that sort of put them in the ascendancy, and it was right where they wanted to be really, especially away from home. It meant they could just sit on the one 0 lead and and try and create stuff on the counter attack. Exactly where they wanted to be. Chris Wilder got his tactics spot on on the day. And, you know, even if they got a nil-nil draw away from home at Crystal Palace, it's not the worst result in the world. And as you mentioned, that moves them up to six in the Premier League table, which is dizzy, dizzy heights for them, really. Um, but, again, you know, you look at their actual results and you'd say, well, they're not really in great form. But they've lost three times in the last six matches. But all those three games have come against Liverpool and Manchester City. So, um you, know, you can't read too much into the actual form because they've played the best teams in the league. Um, and when they have come up against teams in and around them, they've beaten them. Um, or even in a way at Arsenal, they've won one draw, they should have beaten them. So they're, they're a very, very good side, very well organised. Like I said, though, they don't blow teams away when it comes to expected goals, which is why when it comes to expected points uh, in terms of our, our expected goal table and, and where they sit in that, uh, because they're not absolutely blistering teams on expected goals, that the margins between the expected goal totals is, is quite low. That some of those games, well, they won't get as much, as many expected points um, for for those wins as what uh, other teams might for for a much bigger wider margin win. So that's why they sit tenth. <laughs> like I said last week, in terms of goals, they you know the twenty six goals, twenty three conceded. It, it, mm. The expected goal totals are way way higher than, than than that, and I think that's partly down to the Average finishing as a team, and, and a really, really standout goalkeeper, and, and good defensive work that that turn high probability shots into uh, into easily savable chances for for Dean Henderson. So they deserve a lot of credit. Like I said, they're, they're extremely tough to break down. They're very well organized, um, and you know the home process is actually really impressive this season. I know that they're lauded for their away form. The fact that they've lost only two away from home all season against uh, Liverpool and Manchester City. But at home, the process has been excellent. 1.75 expected goals for, 1.24 against. So, um, really, really strong in front of their own fans. And they'll put on another good show in here. But we think this could be an actually entertaining game rather than a 1-0, a a dull 1-0, as we've seen in recent weeks from Sheffield United. Um, And that is partly because we've got our uh, our Bournemouth back, which I think is what they were chanting at the Vitality. Um, (laughs) Which, yeah, basically, like you said, Eddie Howe's found... He must have been looking for that button for 12, 12 game weeks of how to turn his attack on. Um, and he found it, and the last two weeks is we've seen the the results of that, and they've looked so much more dangerous going forward. Like you said, that they're still conceding chances, but that's the Bournemouth that we that we know and and we've come to love over the last five or six years that they've been in the Premier League. So Gung they they'll create chances at will, um, but you'll also get chances against them, and against both Brighton and Aston Villa, we saw exactly that. Means exp- it means entertaining football um, and it means that some, some games you're going to win, some games you're going to lose. But at the end of the day, that like we've said it for long enough, that that is the way Bournemouth play and that is the way they've had success in recent years in the Premier League. So why why they reverted from that, I'm not too sure. Um, the fact that they're, they're back to that makes this game quite interesting, actually, because I think Sheffield United are, are very clever and cute in the way that they set up tactically. And, and if Bournemouth do have a go, I think Chris Wilder will have a plan to... Um, to expose their clearly clear defensive weaknesses, Um, you know, over over the course of the season, Bournemouth's underlying process has been it's been okay. It's been that of a, of a team that we would expect to be in a relegation battle. Uh, 1.26 expected goals for, 1.85 against. But as we've said, their attacking process has, has come alive in, in the last two weeks against two teams that are in and around them. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's really difficult. Well, Bournemouth have been one of the most difficult teams this season to predict um, how they're going to set up and how they're going to play because they've had a couple of games where they they went 1-0, 1-0, 0-0, 1-0 and, and you're not sh- that's just not what we expect from Bournemouth and then recently we've come back to what we've expected 3-1, 2-1 win. Um, I could see this being similar. Like I said, we're expecting goals here. The, the, the goal market is really low. 47% of both teams to score, 45% of over doing half goals and we, we actually think that both of those should be odds on. We've got a 56% chance of both teams to score, 54% of over two and a half. So there's value in backing backing goals at, at, at Bramall Lane. And you know, it's a, it's a TV game. Let's hope we see some entertainment. Um, but like I said, we're, in terms of Sheffield United, we think they're a little bit too short. So, chancing this this Bournemouth team that's found new confidence and new lease of life. Um, we think they've got a 55% chance of avoiding defeat. Uh, Bournemouth or the draw is around 47% on the market. So um, you know, if, if you want an, a bet on the 1x2 side with Bournemouth, but yeah, the goals market is where I'd be looking because that's where we've got the major value.
0: Yeah, pinnacle split at 2 and 2.5, betters taking the under, which again, if you if you kind of delve into those numbers, it's it's easy to see the potential goals. And I'm, I'm sat here hoping for a a 2-2 or a, <laughs> a 3-1 Sheffield United win or something just to back yeah. up those claims. Yeah. Um, one question I do have is on on Bournemouth specifically. I'm I'm looking at their fixtures now and it seems like they've almost got their their easier fixtures out of the way for the the second half of the season if that makes sense. There's a there's a few difficult ones left to go. They are pretty much very evenly split on the market with West Ham in terms of the the chance of getting relegated. Whereabouts do you pitch them? Are you do you see them as the third in that bottom 3 or do you think they're going to have enough to be safe?
1: Mm, yeah, it's interesting. Like I've just had a look at the fixture list now, and it is, it's nasty. It really is. You know, they have, they have to play Chelsea, Liverpool, Wolves, Manchester United, Tottenham, Leicester, Manchester City. So basically, the entirety of the top six or top eight uh, that's in there now. Yes,
0: Palace and Newcastle that jump out to me as yeah. winnable games, both at home. But outside of that, it's yeah. it's very very difficult.
1: Uh, well you, you've got the southampton game as well which which could prove pivotal towards the end of the season at home as well but yeah that's not, it's not a very nice fixture list that it really isn't um it makes this game all the more important really to, to get something out of and the next game against burnley uh who are another team that are very inconsistent hit and miss so yeah the, i think between them and west ham they both got similar looking fixtures to uh, fi- fixture list towards the end of the season um Neither of them are very well set up to play against the better teams, really, They're like the Liverpools and, and the uh, Tottenhams, Manchester United Wolves. They're just too open defensively. So, yeah, it's, I think for me, from, if you're looking at it from a match bet, Bournemouth or West Ham, it's whoever creates the most chances and scores the most goals. And at the moment, that is, that is Bournemouth. So, um, but yeah, it, it really is, looking at this, this fixture list, you could probably imagine Bournemouth getting maybe seven points. Nine points mate at max from, from this set of fixtures. So what, that leaves them on 35 points. Would that be enough to, to keep them up? Perhaps, given how poor everyone else is in around them. Um, but yeah, there's some key games there, like you said, the Crystal Palace one, Newcastle one, that they are that could go down as must-win, really, given the um, you know, the dire straits that they find themselves in. But yeah, I think you're right there. I think West Ham and Bournemouth are the two teams that are probably battling it out. Um, look at Aston Villa; they're another team that we've been banging the drum for, being really, really poor defensively all season long. They, they, I don't think they're, I think they're probably second favourites to go down, aren't they on the on the market? Um, Watford, we think probably good enough to get themselves out of it again. Um, but yeah, I think I think Norwich, Villa, West Ham, Bournemouth is where it's going to come down to. Uh, but I can't hang my hat on either either Bournemouth or
0: West Ham right just yet. Well, that might change after our next fixture. Um, <laughs> I'd like <laughs> well, to wrap goal, up. Yeah. but we, The goal difference could, we be, do. could be crucial. <laughs> exactly. We do have to move on to Manchester City versus West Ham. We'll, we'll talk about Man City first. I mean, I think their, their game from last weekend, I mean, it sums up their season. That, that, that loss to Tottenham, they absolutely dominated Mourinho's team, created a boatload of chances, missed a penalty. They only gave up three shots, all three of what all three of which were on target, and then they ended up coming away with a 2-0 loss. Very similar to the I think it was the 2-2 draw as well. They're they're top based on expected goals, but for whatever reason, they're they're struggling to find the net as much as they should. And their opponents seem to be scoring with ease based on very few opportunities. Um hope potentially for West Ham, but, but as for them, it was just more of the same against Brighton. Really. A lot of fans will probably be coming away from that. Very angry about the result of the final whistle, but in fact they were, they were pretty fortunate to get the draw. Um, Brighton created much the better chances. And we kind of spoke off air that, that even when Brighton weren't creating the chances, West Ham seemed to create the chances for them. Um, West Ham's talked about uh, Bournemouth's fixtures. West Ham's recent fixtures coming up. They've got Manchester City, Liverpool away, Southampton, Arsenal, Wolves, Tottenham, and then Chelsea. So it it does look very, very bad for them. Pinnacle's got them at odds at 26.04, which is a a whopping 3.9% chance of victory. Uh, Manchester City won... City at 1.1, which equates to 87% chance, which then leaves us with the 9% chance of the draw. I'm guessing there's minimal value on offer here, but with the goal market at four, which is as high as <laughs> probably ever going to be for a Premier League game, I personally wouldn't be surprised at five, six, even more. But but what does InfoGoal make of the odds?
1: Um, yeah, we think obviously the 1x2 is priced up about right. Did you say 87% Manchester City is what Pinnacle's going?
0: Yeah, that's correct.
1: So, yeah, in that case, Man City to win eighty-eight percent on the Info goal model is a small amount of value there. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm going to tell anyone to back a uh, you know one point one shot. One point one shot. Yeah, yeah, that that would be quite extreme. Yeah, the, the C- City against Tottenham. Um, it was uh, it was a it was a very frustrating watch from an expected goals point of view. Um, obviously, they dominated the game on the eye test as well. They were absolutely fantastic in in the first half, they should have been 2-3-0 up. Um, they came out, created more good chances. And then the sending off happened and the game sort of switched. And up until the sending off, Spurs hadn't had a shot at all. Um, it was 65 minutes from the sending off. They'd not had a shot in front of their own fans. So it was a really pathetic performance from my perspective. And then, um, obviously, they scored two goals from low probability chances and, and everyone's raving about a Mourinho masterclass. And, and has Guardiola lost it? Um, yeah, it, it, stuff like that really frustrates me. it, it you can't call it a masterclass because on another day city could win that 3-0 and you know we, we do a, a fairness rating based on the the chances in the game compared to the the scoreline and, and it was actually the lowest fairness rating that we've ever seen um from the inferical model was that game it was 0.29 expected goals for tottenham 3.08 for manchester city um and we had a fairness rating of 12.4% so that's the lowest i've ever seen um you mentioned the the, the reverse fixture as well where manchester city lost uh, drew 2-2 spurs had only two shots in that game and scored both of them 0.12 expected goals. So, over the two games, Tottenham had five shots equating to 0.41 expected goals and scored four times. Um, Manchester City had 3.08, 3.39 expected goals, so a total of 6.47 expected goals and scored twice, um, which is, you know, extremely unfortunate. And it's the sort of level of unfortunate, uh, of, of unfortunate that would. Never going to see again, I don't think. Um, based on the game of the weekend, Manchester City would have won that match 90% of the time uh, and Tottenham would have won the game 1.5% of the time. So it shows you just how unfortunate Manchester City were. Um, I know he gets a lot of abuse, old for coming out and saying, oh yeah, my players were so, so good. We played really well. You know, I'm absolutely delighted with the performance. And he's he's dead on, really. <laughs> he has been all season long. There's been so much misfortune Manchester City's favour. Um, that there's nothing more he can do, really. He set his team up perfectly. They've absolutely dominated the football match. They've created a ton of chances. Um, and, you know, all right, the penalty save was, it was a pretty poor penalty. But, you know, still, any other day, Man City would have run away with that and no one would have batted an eyelid. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately for West Ham, I think they could face a backlash here as a result. Um, it could be... Time for Man City to sort of make a little bit more of a statement. Obviously, the opening game of the season was a was a thrashing at the London Stadium. Was it? Was it five 0 five one? Yeah, yeah. It could easily be something similar here, and the main reason for that is because, like I've said, Man City have just created a n- numerous amount of chances on a regular basis this season. Um, they're averaging 2- two point nine one expected goals for per game. Um, and West Ham are allowing 2.17 expected goals against per game. So that in itself, just looking at those numbers, you you would have to fear for for David Moyes' side. And the only the only bright spot that West Ham can look at is the fact that City have conceded goals from from you know the small amount of chances that they have conceded, um, which suggests obviously that when they do concede a chance, it does tend to be quite a big chance. Um, in Tottenham's case, it wasn't. It was a two fairly low-probability chances, but, you know, <coughs> West Ham, that's the only They're going to have to hang on to something if they think they're going to get a chance of winning the game or drawing the game. Um, and, you know, it is, that, it is that. If you get a chance, then you are likely <laughs> that it's going to go in at the moment. It's just how, how Manchester City's season has gone. So, um, you know, maybe both teams to score could be a, an interesting angle based on that. Um, West Ham themselves have been absolutely atrocious in the last few weeks. They've been... Really poor since um, David Moyes took over. There hasn't been any sort of upturn in in form or process or performances since uh, Pellegrini left. It's been pretty much business as usual. Um, He's been there for six games now. They've lost, um, or they've drawn, drawn two of them, won one, lost three, and yeah, the um, they've conceded over two expected goals in the last four matches in a row. So nothing has changed at all. The 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 average under David Moyes is 1.41, 2.05, which is slightly better than what was uh, than, than under Pellegrini. But yeah, it, it is worrying times really for West Ham, especially given um, the the situation in the table that they are now in the bottom three. Um, you know, the, the goal difference could take another hit here. It, it could come down to goal difference at the moment. They are um, very very similar goal differences as to Aston Villa and Bournemouth. Um, so, basically, just avoid an absolute pummeling here and, and it'd probably be a good result for West Ham. But, yeah, it's really difficult to make a case for West Ham doing anything in this game. Uh, like I said, the, on, the only thing I could perhaps see is Manchester City winning comfortably and West Ham getting a consolation, like like Aston Villa did the other week against um, against Manchester City. I think that was 6-1. Um, so, yeah, it, it really is, um, from a betting angle, it's a tough one because there is just so little value in anything. The, the overs market... Over two and a half goals at eighty three percent, which is about one to five, uh, or one point two. We've got it as eighty three percent as well. We calculate a sixty six percent chance of over three and a half goals. So, yeah, like I said, the goal the goal line is extremely high for this one. Um, but in terms of value, like I said, both teams to score. It's a, it's an outside shot. It's about fifty percent on the on the market. We're fifty three percent, and you know West Ham are capable of creating chances. Manchester City do concede goals. So you know that if if this this is probably the game out of the four that we found the least amount of value in, just because we think that the market's got everything pretty much spot on. Um, so yeah, if you if you're wanting a punt on this one, I would suggest that the both teams the score angle is is the the value play. Um, if you've got an absolute load of money, then get on Manchester City at one at one point one because there is a small bit of value there. But yeah, it is really if you're a West Ham fan, watch this one from behind the sofa.
0: Yeah, I'm not a uh I'm not I'm not a man for following trends and it's it's probably a good thing. I'm just looking back at City's old results and when they they had that disappointing 3-2 loss to to Norwich, they went and won 8-0 against Watford. <laughs> uh, they, yeah. they then If you've got a couple then, of quid
1: put it on the 8-0. There
0: you go. They then drew 2-2 with Newcastle and went and won 4-1 at Man's uh, at Burnley lost 2-1 to Man United and then turned up at Arsenal 1-3-0. So in terms of a backlash or reaction, it, it maybe doesn't bode well for West Ham. That is it for this week, just the full fixtures. And, and as I said, we will be back next week for another six games to analyse. I appreciate the insight as always, Jake, and, and thanks for coming on.
1: No, anytime. Really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: And if you do want more information on InfoGoal, then visit Infogol.net, follow at InfoGold app on Twitter and download the app on iTunes and Android. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you're looking to bet, then all the latest odds for the weekend's Premier League fixtures are on Pinnacle.com. You can get in early. The following weekend's games are listed as well. We'll be back soon, but until then, good luck with your bets and remember to please gamble responsibly.